Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. We've now finished Lies of Lock Lamora. This is the last episode of that one by Scott Lynch. And I know we're both real excited to talk about the ending, but I've got, I've got a warm-up segment. I've got a rant, Dan. Okay. I mean, I just finished the book today, so I'm, I'm very excited about it, but we can, we can wait. Yeah. Let's push, let's put it off a little bit. (laughs) Okay. My rant that I want to do is about, is gym related actually. Okay. And specifically about skipping leg day. Okay. <laughs> Something you should never do. Skipping leg day. One of the I most fundamental sin. No. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Luke. I'm for it, Dan. This is, this is a cardinal sin of Jim. I know it is. I know it is. That's why I'm willing to go out on a limb here on our podcast. I don't like how heretical we're being already with this. Okay. Well, okay. First off, you and I both enjoy going to the gym, right? Yeah. Yes. You, so, yeah. We've been called so, Swole Bros. We've been called Jack Beyond Belief. <laughs> we've been called the Yoked Squad. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm not, okay. I'm not like one of the people that is like crazy about the gym. I like going to the gym. I've been, go- I've been going to the gym for several years now, but like pretty regularly. And sick, Brad. I don't. I let's let me just say, I don't skip leg day in general. But that's because there's so much pressure not to. Here's the thing, Dan. I like working out. Um, I enjoy doing it. Makes me feel good. Gives me some confidence. Uh huh. That kind of thing. But I don't. I don't like work. I don't like leg workouts. Don't like them. Uh, Hate yeah. doing it. Yeah. Okay. And um, and here's the thing. I like other workouts. I like I like back workouts, I like chest workouts. I don't like arm workouts actually. I don't do those very often. Yeah. But so there's certain workouts that I like more than others. I'm assuming that's common. And here's the thing. I don't care that much about my legs. Okay? <laughs> I really don't. They're not part. They're not. They're not part of me that gives me the confidence. Luke, Luke, that's that the foundation. People. That's Ex- the whole foundation of your entire body. Luke, you're you're not going to be saying that when you're walking down the street one day and your femur snaps like a freaking toothpick <laughs> because your upper body is six hundred pounds of pure muscle. Let me just say, I weigh one hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> Yeah, and 130 of that is above the waist, Luke. There's a problem here. It's but it's just I I don't care that much about my legs, so I don't I don't want to do, and I hate doing the leg workouts. Uh, I just I don't want to do them. And everyone's like, "Don't skip leg day, bro. Don't don't skip leg day, never, bro. Never skip don't leg day. Don't be one day. of those people. You're one of those. But if you skip I leg just day. Don't, I don't like do I don't like doing it. Why would I do it? All right. Okay. All right. All right. I don't like doing it. I don't really care what my legs look out. I'm not doing it. Okay. Luke, let's just, let's just take a deep breath. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to edge you back off of this leg ledge that you've decided to put yourself on. Calm down. You're acting a little bit irrational right now. Okay. (laughs) Just, just 
chill for a second, okay? My okay. first question. If you don't do like a weighted leg exercise, do you like jog or ride on the bike at all? Well, okay, well, let me just say I still do leg workouts. Okay, but if if you were to not, or on the days that you don't, on the weeks that you don't do leg workouts, do you do yeah. like some kind of like treadmill, run on the treadmill or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, so that, I mean, that that's a little bit of leg. Like, sure, it's cardio. But you could do cardio on like the row. You could row to do cardio and that's not really legs. So, okay. We're going to step you back a little bit. You're doing some legs. All right. Maybe, maybe your leg workouts, you're just doing the wrong exercises. Have you ever thought of that? Well, so I've done a lot of leg workouts before. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be, it would be unlikely for there to be like, enough leg exercises that i haven't done for it to constitute for all of them to for me to like all of them and that to constitute a leg workout i see i see so what you're saying is i'm i'm consulting the gym master knower of all leg workouts seer of all things lower body and you are certain that there are no workouts that your legs would love that your legs would just say luke thank you yeah pretty much okay all right uh then i'm i can't really help you you're beyond my you're beyond my help at this point <laughs> to everybody listening don't skip leg day Freaking. to everybody listening it's okay it's okay you know don't listen to it's luke okay. do what you want we're you gonna have, <sighs> the gym is a safe space the look the gym is a temple and you're a heretic and we're gonna burn <laughs> you at the stake and that's all we're going to say about this, because we've definitely alienated 90% of our fans who just want to talk about the lies of Lockamore and don't don't give a shit about Leg Day at the Gym. But you should give a shit about Leg Day at the Gym. It's very important. Right. Okay. Fair point. Okay. Let's, let's talk about a book. Yeah. So, again, okay, we're, we're, we're at the end of Lies of Lockamore words we're at the end of lies of Locke Lamora. so anything's fair game dan uh tell me you've you finished the book recently like earlier today right yeah i finished it like this morning okay we're gonna do we're gonna do overall thoughts on the book at the end of the episode like uh, usual yeah. but give me your give me your quick thoughts i love it this this is such a good book i love it so i'll give my more detailed review later but I'm I'm so on board with it. Nice. Okay. As I as I've okay. been saying for this whole series. Right. They they did something in this book though that you brought up when we were talking about a Game of Thrones. And that's when ever somebody wakes up from a coma or some long period of unconsciousness, somebody runs over and offers them a wineskin. Right. And they yeah, kept yeah. doing this in a Game of Thrones and it was we just kept saying, Get, how about water? <laughs> well, I, I guess that is a really common thing to do because Locke wakes up from getting his ass handed to him and Gene pulls out a wineskin, tries to get him fucked up. <laughs> Maybe some water would be really good right about now. Right. And you would think that of all people, these well-trained, very knowledgeable people would say, hey, Locke needs water right now. He doesn't need wine. But no. There's a doctor in the room. 
And he's and who it seems like a very competent doctor. Well, maybe. I mean, Locke, neither Locke nor Jean have died, so he's probably fine. Yeah, I mean, I think he's great. I love him. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything that impressive, frankly. Okay, well, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but Locke gets freaking stabbed in the chest like three times. Uh-huh. Stabbed in the chest. Yeah. Gene gets cut up pretty bad. They're still alive. I think that's pretty impressive. Here's why I don't think it's that impressive. Locke and Gene aren't doctors. And so when they're telling us about their wounds and how bad it is, we don't know if it's really that bad. Maybe Locke, in that final battle with the Grey King, maybe he just, you know, got a couple scratches here and there. Maybe it looked really bad. Like... You know how if you cut your head, it bleeds a lot, but you're not really in that much danger? Sure, sure. Maybe that's what happened with Locke, and he and Jean are sitting on the floor of the floating grave, and he's he tells Jean, leave me, Jean, I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Just really dramatic. Yeah, and Jean says, no, you, I'm going to carry you, damn it. <laughs> and they walk in, and the doctor's like, yeah, that's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, it makes the scene way less epic, but they don't they don't know. Right. That's true. And they almost never get into fights. Locke certainly almost never gets into fights. Yeah. And actually, Gene probably doesn't get into real fights that often. Right. He's just really he's very good at fighting, but probably rarely gets to use those skills. Yeah. They're not really part of their repertoire it's not really part of their mo to get into a big fight yeah i okay i'm you know i think that's more plausible than i would have originally thought and we do this so often we we really like the i forget what the term is but when you can't believe the narrator unreliable unreliable narrator narrator or something yeah yeah i feel like we we almost always call the narrator a liar I mean, the book is called The Lies of Locke Lamora, so yeah, it's not point. that far-fetched. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep us with the doctor. And there's, there's the part where Locke is sick for like three days or something, right? And he gets up and he's wanting to do stuff. And the doctor's like, no, you've got, you've got to rest for a while. And Locke's really pushing to get up. I just, if I'm a patient... In this circumstance, I would be such a good patient. It would be, I would be so good at taking advice from doctors to rest, you know? Because Locke's getting up here and he's like, no, I got to get up to confront the Grey King, to like fight him and his, and his ma- magician that I can't fight against. And everyone else, Gene, I don't know if Gene is, but the doctor's like, listen, man, you got to rest a while and... He's going to be here a while. It doesn't really matter. Like, you can just rest and take him on in a couple days. And Locke's pretty against it. Yeah. I would be, I would be like, yeah, that's a fair point. I'll take some, I'll take some soup, some tea. I'll, I'll bide my time. I'll get him in a couple days, maybe a week. Give me at least a week. (laughs) Yeah. But when Locke wakes up, he's got worms smeared all over his chest. (laughs) And the doctors in this time probably are not that good. I'm I envision 
a medieval style doctor where at, at certain points they're talking about humors. They're talking about the humors of somebody's body. Listen, Dan, this is a fantasy world. You don't know that medicine works the same way. Okay. Well, he could be he could be completely on point with this humors thing. Yeah, he could be. But then they also have <laughs> plagues that come and wipe out the entire city periodically that they can't do anything about. <laughs> so I feel like the doctors probably don't know that much. And Locke seemed to be fine. So if I'm Locke, and somebody just murdered my friends and family, and some doctor who had, who I just met also, <laughs> we should note. Actually, not even a doctor. Like, yes, he went to school. He says he went to school. But Locke just met this old guy. And he has, like, worm guts smeared on his chest. And this guy's like, take it easy, Locke. Don't, don't stand up or anything. No. No. I don't know you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I still, I don't know, I still am going to be resting for it, which I think he does take his advice, doesn't he? Doesn't he rest for a little bit? I think eventually he kind of has to because, I mean, the doctor kind of turns out to be right. So, <laughs> fine. Yeah, I mean, in that situation, I would also be an excellent patient because, of yeah. of course, the doctor knows better than me about well yeah better than me about my body probably yeah yeah for sure for sure <laughs> i just i mean this is obviously in luck's character where he just jumps up to go he doesn't think plans through i guess necessarily but right right or he'll get he won't think about the consequences necessarily but he'll kind of get right. fixated on something Right. Which that actually leads me to one of the parts of his plan when Locke is, for some reason, when Locke tries to go back and get money from the Salvaris, I think, mm -hmm. from the Don and Don, Dona Salvaris, Salvaris, he has to dress up like Lucas Fenright again. Mm-hmm. And in order to do this, he has to get some fancy clothing. And in order to do that, he pretends to be somebody who's doing like an audit on this bank. And in the process, he gets this waiter involved. And the waiter's name is Ben Javier. And he tells this, he gets the waiter to change clothes with him so he can get close to the head of the bank and you know come up with a way of getting a pair of his clothes and part of this plan involves him turning over the waiter as part of the plot he kind of flips it on the waiter so that he is like the bad guy in a sense he gets the waiter they, they're gonna go lock up the waiter essentially and at first it kind of seems like Locke is being kind of shitty to this right. guy. Like, this guy's really helping you out, Locke. You wouldn't have been able to do it without this waiter. Come on. And then after the plan works, Locke gives the waiter some money to escape and start a new life somewhere else. That's 
that doesn't really redeem what he did to this guy <laughs> at all. This this waiter's I, got a wife and kids. He can't just up and leave. Right, I totally agree. This waiter has to just... just this would be like if someone did some nonsense to you and then gave you, I don't know, $5,000. It was like, you gotta leave. <laughs> right. It would be like if somebody got me fired from my job and kicked out of my house... Gave me $5,000 and says, you you can go to any city you want and start a new life. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't really want to do that. Right. Just so you could look cool? Come on. Seriously. And he makes it seem like he gives him a lot of money. Yeah. And how how expensive are clothes here? Oh, this is so on point, Luke. Because if he gives him, he had to have give him, given him less money than a fancy pair of clothes would have cost, right? Otherwise, he would have just bought the clothes. Right, exactly. Now, he did get more money from the, oh, the Duke of White Iron. What's his name? Miragio. Miragio. He did get money from his, like, wardrobe, right? Okay, right. Yeah, that's true. So he may have given him a little bit more money. Okay, fair point. But... He didn't need to do any of this stuff because so they he mentions that the tailors all have they keep a tight watch on their clothes. Right. <laughs> but when he was growing up under the hill, kids would go steal shit all the time from people left and right. And these are children. So. Locke could definitely sneak into a noble's house and steal some clothes. That's his, yeah. that's what he does is he gets into people's houses without them knowing and takes shit. Or, and if he can't find clothes, he could probably get enough money to buy clothes very quickly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. These, can we just briefly talk about his, original plan to get clothes where he just goes up to people and asks them to switch clothes for a, a loan that he'll pay back and they're all just like no <laughs> no that sounds terrible for me i loved that he tried that twice and both times <laughs> his potential marks were flabbergasted he would even ask they just looked at yeah, him like, what are you talking about it it failed horribly the first time and then he goes back, comes up with this new disguise or something. And I'm like, okay, he's got a new plan. Let's see. Let's see what his backup plan was. And it's the exact same plan. <laughs> he's just going to go to every person in this place and try it out. <laughs> come on, Locke. And then, okay, he does come up with a wild plan that works out really well. But, okay, well, let me just briefly talk about Miragio for a second. Mm -hmm. Which, first of all, of course, his name is Miragio pretty good <laughs> normally in this kind of circumstance this guy the head of this establishment in most stories is kind of a dick to his employees what what a great thoughtful guy Miragio is oh okay what do you i don't know if you notice this when he's talking about all of it he knows all of his employees by name he knows this <sighs> This waiter's name? How many waiters are in here? And he's, I think, uh, 
I think Locke tells him who it is first. He's like, Javi or something. He thinks is his nickname. And then Mirachio's like, Ben, not Ben. And then he goes down. And when he's, uh, when he's kind of yelling at Ben. Yeah. He's basically like, after I saved your cousin from whatever or whatever he says. And I was just thinking like, wow, Mirageo, you are just, you are just such a great guy. (laughs) This is so on point, actually. And I really love this. And I actually, this is part of the reason why what I think Locke did is a pretty giant dick move. Because it seems like Mirageo and his kind of lower level employees have a very good working relationship. Yeah. And Locke just comes in here because he needs clothes and completely destroys it. Now, the one thing that is kind of messed up is how Miragio sends in spies to test people to see if they're going to, I don't know, mess up his organization. That's that's not great. From, from somebody who has no managerial experience, I don't think that's effective, creating an, an effective workplace environment. Yeah, I agree. You got to give your employees trust. Exactly. It's all about trust. Now, I will say, it sounds like he does that to the people on the floor who are just renting his equipment, who are just kind of renting space in the bank, which, honestly, that seems fine to me. It seems yeah, like he's he's pretty cool to the, the wait staff and his guards. It seems like he doesn't really, at least there's no evidence he does that to them. And he might just be doing it to these kind of shifty money changers. Because the, the chapter starts with us learning that people backstab each other all the time in mm-hmm. this kind of a business. So he's got to kind of be careful about the people who could potentially upend his business. But yeah, he seems pretty chill with his wait staff. Yeah, he seems awesome. I want him as a boss. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> but also... He trusts... The people in this book are so trusting of Locke so quickly. And I get that part of it is because he's really good at coming up with a convincing story. Because he is. I would be convinced. But if I were Miragio and I had a second to think about what Locke was proposing that I do, I would not... I would not have him be the one to pose as me. I would get one of my guards, who I trust, (laughs) to pose as me. Yeah, that's definitely a good point, because I forget quite the exact details, but because he doesn't he doesn't really care about losing his suit. Like that doesn't matter to him. No. Right. But if he's concerned about someone trying to assassinate him, he wants you would think he wants someone that he trusts doing whatever the work he thinks Locke is going to do. Yeah. Right. But instead, he believes Locke's he he eats the hook that Locke is dangling in front of him. Yeah, you'd think he'd have some kind of some kind of plan for this, a de- like a emergency plan, you know, like a safe room. Safe room that works great. Yeah. Nope. No safe room. So yeah, can we can we talk about Raven's Reach a little bit? Yeah. What do you got on it? I I kind of just want to. We don't have to give a specific summary, but the highlights of this part of the book were some of my favorite chapters to read. Where, so 
when Locke gets to Raven's Reach as Lucas Fenright, and he catches eye, he catches the eye of the Grey King, and they have that yeah. interaction. Locke yeah. freaking pones the Grey King oh, he so does. hard. Yeah, the little the little sister jab. All of it, all of it. Locke was just getting at him one after another, and it was like Grey King, you you got got here, bud. Right. Well, well, this is what. This is the other thing that Locke basically trains for because I don't, okay. I don't know if he specifically trains for this kind of thing, but he's this, his band of the gentleman bastards are always roasting each other and they're very quick. They're very, they're very witty. So of course Locke just dominates him in this kind of, in, in this kind of altercation. That's a great point. Little, little verbal altercation that is supposed to be super subtle. Yeah, that's a great point. But I just, I need to highlight that because it was so satisfying to hear Locke just destroy this guy. <laughs> so he he sees him while they're on the way to go meet the spider for the first time, but Locke doesn't know that. And the moment when Locke punches her in the face... <laughs> I think I actually laughed yeah. out loud when that happened. Not because he hit an old woman, but because the answer is so obvious, but I didn't think of it. Right, yeah, no one... I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of said in the book that she wouldn't ever have thought he would do this. <laughs> right, right. And, like, I didn't either, honestly. He did it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. It's like, duh, you could just do that. <laughs> and... And I think the reason why, you know, she wouldn't have thought he would ever do that is because what she's doing is kind of like a hobby. She's like a noble woman with a hobby, right? I mean, sure, it's an important job, but she's basically like Doña Solveris. And she still thinks she holds this, like, power as a noble woman. And of course he's not gonna... She locks herself in the room alone with somebody who's very dangerous but she assumes she's protected because she's a noble person and she's talking to him about how she admires the work he does and all this stuff and it's like what do you this is like a hardened criminal from what you know right i don't know and she i mean i guess she also has previously talked about how there's never been any like bloodshed that the the thorn of Kamor has done so she like she thinks that he's a criminal but i don't know if she thinks that he's the rough and tumble kind of but still like okay this is what i took from this that i wrote down that so the spider just kind of sucks at her job (laughs) because i mean yeah let's think about the series of steps that led her to catching Locke. She had somebody else come and tell her what he was up to. Then she rushes up to her solar, solar, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Her solar and rustles through a bunch of notes and realizes, oh, this person is the Thorn of Kamor. Then she waits until he shows up again and has them bring him up to Raven's Reach where her plan is to just threaten to kill him unless he turns himself in. That's not that cool. 
yeah, okay. She could have done this so easily. She doesn't have, okay, she does not have to invite him to this ball or celebration, whatever it is. She tells them to invite him to this. She could tell them to invite him to their home. (laughs) Boom. Capture him. You got him right there. Easy. Well, or, and I, I don't understand why she didn't do this. You, next time he goes to the Solveris Manor, have some of your sneaky people follow him back to where he lives. If you're yeah, the spider, you're like the head of this spy network in the city and you can't have a couple of people follow him home. What? What are you doing? Yeah, what are what are the Midnighters even for at this point? Are they just it they're just a military force, I guess? They're just people who are like seek like police, but not even secret police because they're not really even secret. I love how she she gets every every person that's working this event. <laughs> I don't know about everyone, but she says basically everyone is a Midnighter. And her plan is to bring him into her private room and for her to deal with him. Right. Why do you even have, why did you even have everyone there? Well, and I thought what she was going to do, which is what she said she was going to do originally was hang him up in the middle for everyone to see, like hang him by his ankles and dangle him. And if she was going to do that, all of this makes sense. If she was going to dangle him from the ceiling as like a a, a thief chandelier for everybody to gawk at, all of this preparation totally makes sense. Right, because if she would... It seems like when she was setting it up that she wanted a big scene kind of thing. Right. But then in execution, that's the exact opposite of what she wanted. And, I mean, I think I think you're right on this, where this is basically turned into almost her hobby, maybe, where she doesn't, she doesn't have serious things that the Midnighters necessarily need to do. So she's just... I mean, I don't know if that's true because we don't get anything else from her or them in general, but that would kind of explain it. And freaking, I'm glad that she's handing off the responsibility to the Salvaras because she needs to. Right. Maybe. Right. I mean, maybe she's just lost her touch, you know? I mean, it could be, but I don't know. The Salvaras got duped pretty bad too, though. Here's my... Okay, this is going to be more wide-reaching. The secret piece... Seems to be working out well, I guess, for them. Mm-hmm. But there's so many, there's still so much crime, right? I mean, when you think of how organized the crime system is, and it, I guess we're getting the viewpoint of criminals, basically. So it seems like they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they necessarily are. Right. But there seems like a ton of criminals, and they kind of let certain crimes go. Yeah. Just because, and they, if you do anything, there's like severe punishment. Mm -hmm. but let's try to i mean let's try to knock this crime out by going to the roots you know Mm -hmm. try to get some some after school activities for the underprivileged youths so they don't join these gangs like social programs yeah social program that's the i I mean how do that's that's the best way to get rid of crime right or reduce crime no i i think the best way to reduce crime is just lock all the criminals up (laughs) right yeah. Tough on crime. No criminals, no crime. Problem solved. 
Okay, this actually gets to one of the... Now, I don't want to say that I... I didn't necessarily predict this, but I think this was a theme we were picking up a lot on, was the fact that the secret piece kind of screws over everybody in the middle class. For sure. Everybody who's poor and middle class gets completely screwed by the secret piece because now all the thieves are just stealing from them and the nobles get to not worry about it at all. Right. They don't even really, they don't even care. Like the yellow jackets or whatever they're called don't even try to stop this kind of crime. Right. Exactly. And this really uneven class dynamic is exactly what leads to the whole conflict of this freaking book with the gray king because he says himself his parents were murdered in order to keep the secret peace which is super unfair yeah so just, just not great not great ruling i guess i mean you gotta know you need a thriving middle class it's the backbone right? of the economy luke that's just that's you know what we should run for office <laughs> yeah that's a really good idea <laughs> Just please don't use these podcasts as evidence for why we would not be qualified. <laughs> I have, okay, just really briefly, this is not really funny, but the the fight with Jean and the two sisters, just so brutal. Yeah. Because this, this whole book has been not much fighting, you know, not that much bloodshed, that kind of thing. And then this fight was just one of the most brutal fights I've read about. Yeah, that was freaking wild. I I actually want to talk about something related to this as well. Okay. How do you feel about how the the like damage people took was portrayed? What what I mean by that is it sure seems like a lot can take a lot of punches, huh? Yeah, okay, that's definitely true. Locke seems to be taking hits to the face constantly. On the daily, he seems to be taking a lot of hits to the face. We also don't hear about him missing any teeth, which just seems like a miracle. Yeah, that's a good point. And here's the thing. Once you get a concussion, you're more likely to get another concussion. Thank you, Luke. This is so important. We need to say this. <laughs> How concussed is Locke? Oh, yeah. he's having, He's got CTE for sure. Because, I mean, part of his strategies have been to hold on to somebody who's big and not let go. And just take hits to the face until Gene comes back. (laughs) How many times did you do that, Locke? Do you remember? (laughs) Do you even remember how many times you did that? Honestly, this is kind of unfair to Gene. (laughs) Can you imagine being Gene and just watching somebody wailing on Locke's head for like (laughs) 10 minutes as you're rowing your boat to go get over to them? It's stressful, I bet. It's not fair to Gene. Not fair at all. Exactly. Not fair at all. But yeah, also in that fight, I think that fight was pretty realistic in the amount of damage that Gene could take because he seemed pretty, pretty messed up Yeah. afterwards. But anytime Locke is in a fight, he gets hit so many times. <laughs> I love that he's terrible at fighting, by the way. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and how the gray king realizes it at the end yeah and is just like oh yeah you suck dude i'm about to destroy you he's like oh you're actually just not good at this okay cool cool 
Uh, okay. I'm going to move on a little bit. This is kind of about the Grey King. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but just using the falconer is cheating. I, It's cheating. You're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, oh, absolutely. Everything he does is because of the falconer. The thing I don't understand about it is... So the Grey King... He, I mean, he recognizes that the falconer is a huge advantage and with one with one bonds mage like the falconer he can do so much in this city Mm -hmm. there's no other bonds mages anywhere the duke doesn't have even like a level one bonds mage working for him that that seems like a no-brainer well okay so they first say that like you have to pay these guys by the day or something and it's a crazy price. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming he doesn't have a bonds made just on retainer. Right. But okay. So this is, this is like a level three bonds mage mm-hmm. that the gray King hires. And it seems like he hires him for about a month. Yeah. I think so. Something like that. Some, so, and it seemed like the price exponentially increased for each level of a bonds mage. So to have a level one bonds mage on retainer for the most wealthy person in this whole city, seems like you should be able to do that. Yeah. Or even have one for the whole nobility. Like all the nobility has one bonds mage that they have access to. Exactly. Because, yeah, if you can have just one bonds mage come in and wreck everything, just completely throw the whole city into chaos that's there should be a counter to that right exactly because the so the great king basically has this crazy this really complex plan that he comes up with right it doesn't seem like he needs to honestly oh the bondsmaids just he can do whatever he wants to people right Uh uh-huh why do you even do the big plan why not <laughs> you're saying why not just have the bonds mage kill everyone and be done with it just walk just walk into barsavi's little office make everyone not do anything and then just kill him i mean i guess he wanted to have a more cool vengeance like he had been thinking this up and he wants it to be really dramatic yeah but still that's and okay and my other point is for the the duke you don't have to have a bonds mage all the time you could have them once a week. Be like, hey, oh yeah, this bonds mage, you work for me on Friday afternoons. This is a great, great point, actually. And and their whole job, they just come once a week, and you say to them, hey, are there any other bonds mages working around here? <laughs> nope. Okay, that's all I need you for. <laughs> and the answer, yeah. if the answer is yes, okie dokie. I'd like to keep your services for a little while, please easy so i i want to stay on the bonds mages because i think they're really interesting and the story about them is super dark how they they came to be this big force in the world because the emperor didn't like that they were doing magic and tried to stop them and so they reduced his entire city to ash because he killed i think 
what did they, did they say 30 of them or was it less than that or was it a dozen i think it was less but i don't think it was an, an exact number but it wasn't many so yeah he killed a few of them so they reduced his entire city and everybody in it to dust and they did that in order to send a message to everyone that if you kill one of us we will come after you and completely decimate everything you ever loved but it seems like their rules are hyper specific for what if what Locke and Gene did is cool on by their rules why why are they not afraid of people doing this to them okay i imagine that Locke and Gene are just like Ooh, i hope this is true because there's I, there's no way there's no way that the bonds mage hear about this and they're like did did they kill him no well i guess it's fine well maybe no way no way that's how it is maybe that's why it's not cheating you know because they're they're bound by this rule that uh, as long as they didn't kill one of us we can't do any legally we can't do anything about it <laughs> yeah but they cut off his arms and legs and tied him to a post in the ocean and cut and cut off, yeah <laughs> well did they yeah. kill him though no it sounds like the shark might have killed him i don't I, think it was that i think we have to kill all sharks now <laughs> Okay. One other thing about the Bonds Mage that I was kind of disappointed in this story about is the way that they overcome this is just the name thing. First of all, the fact that this Bonds Mage has ultimate power over them by using just their first and last name, like at least in Aragon, when it's the name power thing, it's their true name that they don't even know, right? Yeah. In this case, it's just their given name. That's stupid. I think that's stupid. I I don't know. I'm kind of into it. <laughs> and here's why I'm kind of into it. Because it seems like there's not that many Bonds mages. Mm -hmm. And it makes them seem so powerful. If right. this thing it that you exchange does. whenever you meet somebody is this thing that has this deep power over you and a bonds mage could use it to make you do bad things. That makes them sound very powerful. Yeah. I get I get that it, it doesn't really seem like it it touches at a part of their soul that you should be able to manipulate because it's you know it's just their name. What's so special about that? Because like okay, there's people that have the same name. Actually, what if you just accidentally get the wrong guy? This is a good point. Or how does it know which one you're talking about when you write it in? Yeah, how does it know which right, one? Right, it's like Greg Smith. Is it all Greg Smiths? And there's just, there's just, okay, he does Gene Tannen, right? There's, no, in the hand, I think he just does Gene earlier in the book. Yeah. There's got to be so many genes out there that are like, I don't know what happened to me last week, but <laughs> I didn't love it. I'm going to... This is a formal apology to everyone in the vicinity. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know where that hatchet came from. I just found it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be right. I mean... I don't know. So, so as I was reading it, I was assuming he kind of directed it to a certain person. Right. But there's no evidence of that anywhere. There's no evidence that he directed it to Locke specifically. Maybe all the, 
well, and Locke wasn't even, but yeah, maybe all the genes in Kamor that night were suddenly compelled to start walking around trying to find somebody to kill. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good move. No, it's reckless. I mean, the Bonds mages don't really seem like they care, but. Yeah, they seem very, very psychopathic. God, this is also why I just think that if the whole cutting off their fingers and tongue thing would work everybody would do this nobody would tolerate yeah. this kind of behavior from this organization <laughs> no matter what your mages do you will defend them to the death yeah that's absurd it's not a good way to run a business guys i mean yeah you gotta dis- you gotta it just seems dangerous you know what if what if you're hiring some bonds mage he's staying at your house you feed him something, he gets food poisoning and dies. Oh All of a gosh. sudden, your entire your entire family is burning to death. Yeah. I just, I think these bondsmates need to cultivate some relationships. I don't know. Stop acting all high and mighty, huh? Exactly. I'm sick of it. They're just, they're. I mean, Father Chain says it. I think in this early book, he's like, they're just, they're just dicks. You know, <laughs> all the bondsmages. Just kind of suck. They so do. Honestly, though, the fact that they can do magic, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wish that there were other people doing magic that weren't assholes all the time. Right. There's got to be some. I don't know, though, because it it says that the Bonds mages hunt them down and kill them. Right. Because they want kind of a monopoly. Otherwise, their whole we'll murder you if you kill one of us thing doesn't work too well. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Bonds mages. Yeah, not Just into frustrating. Them. Okay. Another another slight, slight qualm that I've got with this. So the the woman that Locke talks about a lot, Sabatha, she's just she's just not in the book. E- yeah. <laughs> Neither is Locke's dad. Oh, Dan's wrong twice. <laughs> I I just think it's weird that she's not in the book at all. I don't know. It it makes sense to me from the sense that the the series is long. Right. There's going to be there I think there's two other books, two or three other books that are out right now in this series, and I think there are more planned. I think there are three more planned. So, you got to save it. You gotta okay, have a build. Point. I guess. I guess I'm thinking that because this book seems really well self-contained, mm-hmm. whereas if this was a longer series, it, it okay, it makes more sense that way. But still, I don't know. I would have liked to hear more. Yeah, I was surprised by it, but honestly, I kind of loved that she wasn't really even in it. You just freaking love everything in this book. <laughs> I am so into this book, Luke. I really did love it. You know what? <laughs> Something else that I really loved about this book. When they're at the feast in Raven's Reach, we hear about this interesting culinary technique where they take the head of one animal and stitch it to the body of another one. There have got to be some pretty bad combinations that they were working on I for was, a while, okay. huh? This is what I was thinking. And I wrote this. I, I wrote down that I was a little disappointed in the feast. This sounds stupid. <laughs> this is That's just a bad... That's just a bad idea. That's a bad dinner. 
<laughs> I don't really want that. Not interested. <laughs> I was I was just having a lot of fun picturing what the like worst apprentice chefs were coming up with for these animal combinations to try and impress their teachers. Like one kid comes back from the market all excited, telling his peers, Oh, this this is gonna be the one. This is gonna be the one that moves me on up. And he pulls off the big silver tray for this creation that he's cooked up. And it's the head of a turkey on the body of a snake. <laughs> and his head chefs that are just... That actually sounds perfect. His head chefs just say, get out. Because <laughs> that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I feel like that's a good match. I mean, taste-wise, no. Sure, the, the turkey neck onto the snake body would probably fit pretty well. It would probably look pretty seamless, like it almost belonged there. But I don't want to see that with my eyes. I don't want to see any of the other combinations with my eyes. Okay, like what? Give me an example of one of them that was that you were appalled by. I, I don't... Okay, so I don't remember them exactly. I mean... But the, one of them is like a fish onto... Oh yeah, that's something right. that's not a fish, which is, which is no, you can't do a fish onto anything else. Actually, you're a hundred percent right. I think it was like the head of a salmon on like a pig or something like that, and that was so absurd. Okay, that's how that, big is this salmon? That's perfectly fair, actually. I thought that one was a little wild. Yeah, this is a stupid feast. I don't know though, Luke, but can you imagine if somebody took like, let's say, the head of a giraffe and the body of a horse and put them to? Oh wait, hold on, that's just a giraffe. <laughs> idiot <laughs> okay wait, wait, wait i got it got it got it okay what if they somebody cut off the head of a duck and attached it to the body of a beaver and we're like check it out this is the dopest shit and everybody <laughs> saw it and, and just said oh, that's a fucking platypus dude you didn't do that and he's like no guys really i come on check no, it this out this is a real one and they're like nah we've seen that before good try <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this was stupid, but, you know, to each their own, I guess. I had a lot of fun with it, Luke. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta have fun with it. Like all these people who are way too wealthy. You can afford a bonds mage. Okay, think of all the shit they had at this (laughs) freaking feast. You could afford a bonds mage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hire a bonds mage for a day, and you're coming up with wild dishes. The, oh my, like, there's not even one. (laughs) They don't have, like, a chef bonds mage that they can have to just come for a dope feast that they're putting on. Are you kidding me? You can have an apprentice one. I don't want crazy stuff. Give, Give me a spell that lets my cake float and rotate. That's simple. It's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. The Bonds Mages can make arrows stop midair. They can they can make stuff levitate, no doubt. Give me just give me just a forever fire around around the table. Little fireball. Give me that. Easy stuff. So cool. We would be so freaking good at spending money in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh okay question for you okay the little the the ending of this 
when Locke tells Gene his name. You got any theories? It's five syllables. Maybe something like, okay, this is what it is. When you, so his first name is Ima and (laughs) and his last name is Duty Head. (laughs) I love that I saw you counting syllables for that. I had to because it's five. And so separately, those two names are fine. Yeah, for sure. Both of them. But you can't go around telling people your name is I'm a duty head. Yeah. This is why the Bonds Mage didn't want to get do that name. Because he sounds stupid. Well, the Bonds Mage didn't know it because Locke hasn't right. told anybody his real name. Right. Did you? Do you have a... What, well, what do you think he told Gene? Here we go. You ready? You ready? Yeah. What's the... Uh, well... <sighs> Okay, this was stupid and it sounds stupider, but uh, we're going to pretend like Duke is a first name. Okay, yeah. What's the Duke's last name, you ask? Yes, I Nicolante. ask. In this book? Yeah. Yeah. Locke is the Duke. Locke is Duke N- Nicavante. What? <laughs> no. It's five syllables, Dan. That's the only thing we know. This is so stupid. There's no way. This is this is not a theory. We're not even classifying this as a theory. No, Dan, it is. Here's the thing. No. <sighs> this is going to take we some fucking work, Luke. We don't. We, <laughs> and we're going to do it. We don't get any images of Duke Nicavante. In theory, no one sees him very often, right? He's at the feast. Did you see him at the feast? They described him at the feast, didn't they? I don't know if they did. They sent guards to go tell him what was happening. Okay, yes, yes. When the spider... When... Okay. When Locke came back... <laughs> when Locke came back and told everybody about his plan, about what was going to happen, the spider sent messengers to the duke to tell him what was going on. That doesn't mean they got there. Okay, that's fair. I would, all right. Locke is a is a master of disguises. Uh huh. He's not, and it's not like the Duke is making public appearances every day, walking around the street. Okay. I just, I think it's I think it's plausible. <laughs> I think it's plausible, Dan. Right, and so nobody is at all worried when the Duke seems absent for very very long periods of time <laughs> i'm assuming his servants his like really close servants know <laughs> <laughs> okay so then why does wh- why is Locke doing anything for fun this is all just a fun game he's he already says that it's fun he already says he's doing everything. He gets for put in a barrel of horse piss. Yeah. That's fine. It's fun. <laughs> if he's the duke, why does he care that they stole 40,000 cr- crowns from him? If he's the duke, why does he go to Don and Donia Salveris to get more money? Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a game, Dan. Still a game. He so doesn't this, want to cheat. He's this, not. He doesn't want to cheat like the Grey King does. Okay? You're saying he's so into this role play that he refuses to go get money from his duke from his duke ship in order to get revenge. No, 
No, he's so into this role play. It's not real revenge that he's looking for. It's revenge as the character of Locke Lamora. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And so he refuses to use any of his ducal powers to get revenge on the Grey King. Because he doesn't actually care about getting revenge. He just really wants to roleplay Locke Lamora. Well, okay, I'm assuming through his roleplay he actually cares a lot about Callow, Galdo, and Bug. By the way, can we talk about Bug's name? Yeah, yeah they probably should have picked a different name for that guy. His name's Bert? Oh, God. Yeah, I also, I feel like when you talk about him afterwards after he's dead and you're trying to be respectful, I don't know, Bug is kind of a fun name. It's not really like a... Ah, uh, man, I really miss my great, great friend and my apprentice, Bug. <laughs> you know what? I think that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, okay. I I came up with this Duke Nicavante thing. For, for some funnies, thought you could help me go along with it, but no. Luke, it's absurd. It's absurd <laughs> and I won't stand by it. It doesn't meet our standards for theories on this show. Also, if he's the Duke and he's just role-playing all this, does Gene know? And if Gene doesn't know, no. how big of a dick is he being to Gene right now? Because, yeah. because if Gene doesn't know... All of Gene's friends just got murdered, and his only friend in the whole world is keeping secret from him that he's the Duke of Camor. Okay, it's a fine, it's a stupid theory, Dan. If I were Gene and Locke told me that as I'm on the boat going away from Camor, I would have cut his head off with the fucking Wicked Sisters, okay? <laughs> okay, yeah. I Okay, acknowledged. Not a great theory. <laughs> But it's it's in the back of your mind now. It's not. It is, yeah. No. I've ejected it. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's... Well, do you have any more or do you want to talk about the book as a whole? We should talk about the book as a whole. All right. Okay, Luke, uh, surprise, I love this book. This might be my favorite book we have read on this show. In fact, I love okay first off the heists were so cool the banter between all the characters very on point the revenge that they got in the end was so satisfying the the like drama in the middle where everything seemed completely fucked was pretty dark right that you got a lot of good highs and lows but more than anything this book and, and I talked about it last episode, but it continued to do this through the end. It didn't bring up something at the very beginning and then leave it and bring it back at the end as this crazy big reveal that you would have never seen coming or like was kind of a mystery until the end. It always was <clears throat> maybe giving you a little bit of mystery when they introduced the characters or something. But then within one or two chapters, that mystery was revealed so you could move on. And so you didn't have this, this kind of thing you were trying to figure out in the book. And I think sometimes that works really well. I think in a lot of books it works really well. But I really appreciated it 
because it was very different from how other books do this kind of mystery. Like the Grey King wasn't Locke's dad. The Grey King was just some guy who wanted revenge. And sure, he was related to the two twin sisters, but that's the only other connection that the Grey King has to anything else in the story, which I, I just really liked that they're just people doing this stuff. Everything's not all super interconnected and tied into everyone else. It's just, just kind of like people doing stuff. And I, I was so on board with that. It's, it was so fun to read. I love it. Yeah. I, so I agree with you that it's a super good book and you've already, okay. You've said all the good things about it. I was, I was kind of disappointed by the ending. Okay. This is, okay. I know this is probably a hot take. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Tell me about it. I... I just thought some of the things were kind of stupid. I thought I thought the way they beat the falconer was kind of stupid. I thought I thought the solution to the wraithstone kind of stupid. Mm. Okay, because they they're they're going through this big dramatic thing. So Donya Severa's the one that's doing it, and she's like, I can't find a way to deactivate this without setting it off. And then I forget who it is, but they're just like oh, yeah, let's all take all the statues up and throw them in the pool. And there. It's fine. I think that was kind of stupid. Um, I I don't know. I One thing that I liked is it was very fast-paced. I think some of the solutions to things were kind of dumb, but even then I was still reading like as fast as I could because... I wanted to, you know, figure out what was happening and all that kind of thing. Right. So I'm not that disappointed by it. I, but I think, I think I was expecting a better ending. Like I was expecting another, okay. Another thing is I really was expecting there to be some cool way that the gray King was, um, like some great reason that the gray King had for being able to, keep this bonds mage but it turned out that he was just he was just paying him like with all the money that he was expecting to get from Locke and them and i i was kind of disappointed by that too that's okay um, that's true that was one thing i was expecting at the end is it to be revealed that they were like brothers or something right or exactly the, the bonds mage was doing this kind of pro bono for some reason but i mean if that was the case th- the bonds mages would have way bigger issues right yeah i there i just thought that there was going to be some crazy thing with that so again not that disappointed like it was still it was great i think the only reason i'm saying that is because the rest of the book was so great and had all these cool things happening that i was expecting even just like even better solutions and things that Locke was going to come up with that kind of thing um, but no, I still, don't get me wrong. I still was a big fan of the book. <laughs> I think it was probably, I don't know if I'm going to say it was the, my favorite book that we've done so far, but it, it's definitely in the conversation. Okay. Luke, that's, that's your opinion. You're <laughs> perfectly entitled to be wrong. That's fine. Should we tell the people what they came what they came to hear, Luke? 
Yeah, so next book we're going to read, we're going to go back to the indie authors. This book is called The Aching God by Mike Schell. Get it on get it on your Kindle. Get it get started on it. Do it now. Any any e-readers fine. Pick up a paper copy. Definitely yeah. check it out. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be spending the next three episodes on that. So plan on doing about the first third for the next episode. And, uh, you know, prepare yourself because we're not holding back. No. We're coming up with hot takes. And still acting like dumb nerds. 